Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Thank you, praise team. That was awesome. Praise God as always. Beautiful. Hallelujah. I'm going to read real quick here out of my... We ended yesterday in Romans chapter 8, looking at the importance of praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. And I urge everyone in here to uh, increase your prayer life, especially praying in the Spirit. Become more, become more and more uh, sensitive to spiritual things. You need to hear from God. And you hear, need to hear from God more and more every day. I mean, just to, uh, just to navigate your day, you know. It's good to be led by the Spirit. And uh, being led by the Spirit is the true uh, uh, way in which God wants you to serve Him. You know, and uh, the Word of God, the Spirit of God working in you, the life of God in you. And then this wonderful redemptive work that was done by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in order to cleanse the temple of man's being. You know, the Bible says in the letters to the church, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know, that treasure is the Spirit of God, the very same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. You know, let me, a lot of times I think we take that for granted because there's no feeling involved with that. Well, if there was a feeling involved with resurrection and power, with resurrection power in you, you couldn't handle it. Your physical body couldn't handle it. That's why God hadn't uh, put us on a level of feelings when it comes to faith because you couldn't handle the feelings that faith would produce. Your physical body couldn't handle it. So we live by faith and not by sight or we walk by what we believe instead of what we feel, amen? So we saw yesterday that the Spirit of God abides. Everybody say abides. When you got born again, the Spirit of God came into your human spirit, recreated it, and you became a new creature in Christ. Everybody say a new creature. Say I am a new creature. You know that confession of your redemptive rights is your most powerful confession because you can confess healing and prosperity and other things but it's not until you start speaking the word of God about who you are in Christ that you really begin to change your identity and you're no longer a, a defeated man or a woman, a defeated uh, uh, you know, uh, Irish or an American, a defeated black or white, really doesn't matter anymore. You're more than a conqueror in the spirit realm. And let me say this also, this may help some of you. Uh, there, the, the, the spirit realm in the world in the past two to three years has been tremendously activated. And it hadn't been activated by the glory and the goodness of God. It's been activated by the demonic. Everything that you see going on right now is spiritual. It has a spiritual root. A spiritual root, an activity taking place in that spirit realm, and then a manifestation on the earth. Uh, what we're seeing on the earth was planned thousands and thousands of years before we ever existed. So we're caught up in a great drama but thank God we're on the right side. Let, let, let me say that again. Thank God we're on the right side. Uh, you say, well, how do you know on your, you're on the right side? Well, I just know. Thank God I just know. Amen. Because the side that we're on is good. The side that we're on is righteous. You know, we don't call for harm or, or hurt or hate or anything else. We try, we're doing our best to love people. Amen. 
And then the mighty spirit of God comes on us and empowers us, just as it did uh, for Jesus uh, there at the Jordan River when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan and the spirit of God came down upon him in the form of a dove. And John said, I see. You know, he saw that spirit coming down and lighting upon him. Then the voice spoke from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Amen. So that same spirit abides on the inside of you. That resurrection power is on the inside of you. And that Holy Ghost power is upon you. That is, that is the true view of what God wants to be seen in the spirit realm is his kids looking just like he does. The same anointing, the same power, the same authority. Everything about God is also true about you because you're his child. Amen? Now, let me just say this because this may help you. In this, in this realm of the spirit, the beings that exist. Of course, we know in the demonic realm, there is that realm of, of, of spirits that fell with Lucifer or, or, or Satan. The Bible says it's one third of the angels. But you know, the thing about it is, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, two thirds didn't fall. <laughs> Amen? Oh, come on, you ought to get, I know it's Saturday morning, but two thirds didn't fall. We still got them outnumbered two to one. Amen? So they're, they're, they're just defeated numerically. Amen? Thank God for it. But you know, there's the, 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 the spirit realm is comprised of created beings. Amen? How many think you're a created being? Well, you're wrong. You say, well, how do you know? Well, just look right up there, right here. You got a belly button. That proves you're not created. That proves you're procreated. Amen? That proves you're procreated. You got a mom and a dad. But no, there are created beings. Lucifer was one, the angelic realm, the demonic realm, created beings. There are human beings. That's the classification we are in. And then there is the divine being. Those are the three classifications of spirit beings that are, that are, that are existing in the universe. And God, the Holy Spirit, now abides. His place of existence in the universe is not in heaven. It's in you forever. I'm glad you're so happy. Amen. So we left off in Romans, Romans yesterday, chapter eight, and I've got my uh, Passion Bible here, so I'm going to read a little bit. Let's begin there in um, what is that? Verse twenty-six. For some reason, in these Bibles, the letters and the numbers get smaller. I think that's how they wear out as you read them. Every time you read them, they get a little smaller. So you got to go get another Bible with bigger letters. It says that in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us. Now, I love this, I love this phrase. The Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf. Pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words, God the searcher of the heart knows fully our longings yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. 
Now here's the, here's the scripture we used yesterday. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. That's the scripture in the King James. All things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called to his purpose. Now you can't pull that up out of that portion of scripture and claim everything that happens to you is the will of God. Let me say that again. You can't lift that scripture up out of the, out of the scriptures, out of Romans, and say, well, you know, all things work together for your good. You know, uh, I had a car wreck yesterday. You know, I got diagnosed with some disease. You know, uh, they took, somebody uh, hacked my bank account and took half my money. Well, that's okay. All things work together for my good. That's not what it's talking about at all. It's talking about that those individuals that make a decision to use that wonderful gift of the Spirit on the inside of them that God placed and that empowerment of the Spirit which manifests in the ability to speak in a language you do not know. You use that to pray God's will into your life. Then you follow that will step by step, step by step, day after day, week after week, month after month. You stay in the will of God. You pray in the Holy Ghost. You're doing everything you know to do to obey God. God says of those people your life is a tapestry woven and all things in that tapestry are gonna work for your good no matter what they are. And the reason is because you've, now listen to me, you've already, if you pray in the Holy Ghost, if you pray in the Spirit on a continual regular basis, and that means praying in other tongues, we'll see this, see this in just a moment. One of the things you're doing is you're, you're projecting faith into your future. Let me say that again. Some of you might need to hear that. You're projecting faith into your future so that when you get to po certain points in your future, you do not have to build your faith. Your faith is already built. Let me just say it like this. God knows what you're gonna face tomorrow. God knows what you're gonna face next week. God knows what you're gonna face next month. And God knows what you're gonna face next year and the next five years and the next 10 years. So every day of your Christian life is preparatory for future. So God, God gives you victory in the moment that you're in right now. You pray in the spirit. You confess the word of God. Speak the word of God over your life. You resist the devil as we started the, the conference with. Save yourself from this wicked and untoward generation. Then you pray in the Holy Ghost and obey the word of God as being in the will of God, next thing you know, no matter what happens, no matter how the devil tries to destroy, God takes it and turns it for your good. Amen? Uh, we, look, we had a major hurricane hit Galveston, Texas in September of 2008. And it destroyed our, destroyed our city. I mean, literally destroyed our city. I mean, how would you feel if you... You, you walked outside the door of this uh, beautiful building and there was maybe this much water, nasty, awful, horrible salt water across this entire city. What would you think? Well, that's what we had. Not only that, 100, 120 mile an hour winds blowing four and five hours at a time, dismantling everything. I mean, it was incredible. We had 60 inches of water in our, in our church about that high. Our home was destroyed. All of our homes that lived on the island were destroyed. So, I mean, it looked like, the de looked like the devil was, you know, having his way. 
uh, in three years before that, in 2005, there was a series of hurricanes that ravaged the Gulf Coast area. One of them, uh, one of the worst was called Katrina that hit uh, New Orleans and devastated New Orleans, Louisiana. Another big one called Rita. I think we had 20-something hurricanes that year. But anyway, 2008, we were destroyed. I mean, you looked at the thing and you thought, oh my God, what, what can God do with this? How can God get anything good out of this? Well, we made a decision to stand in faith and believe God for miracles. And God gave us miracles in just about it. We never canceled services. We held our conference that year in an in a, in a, in a ulterior location because our church was destroyed. But we never quit doing what God told us to do. And when we did that, God began to bless us. He sent us a ministry into our parking lot. We began to feed people. We fed over, over 60,000 meals in nine weeks. And all of a sudden, our church became a hub of activity. People coming there and gathering in groups and then going out in the community and help people uh, move their wet furniture out of their house, pull up their wet carpet, tear out their wet sheetrock. Uh, we were giving away water, feeding people meals. People were coming to our parking lot. We were ministering to them, praying for them. And we could have never gotten a better reputation in our community. And we were the first church back in our church on Easter Sunday, 2009, and where the devil meant for harm with that big bad hurricane, God turned it to our good and we came out on the other end better than we went in. You say, why? God worked all things together for our good. God worked all things together for our good. This COVID thing hit. The strangest thing in the world was, was Easter 2020 when not one church in the world that we know of held an Easter service with a congregation in it. On the entire planet, most churches were empty. There was no one there. We preached over the internet. We began to speak the word of God. Next thing you know, we begin to gather a greater internet following, a greater internet crowd. Uh, 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 hundreds in our area and thousands around the world begin to watch our program, begin to watch our uh, our. Uh, 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 Broadcast on the internet, God sent a man into our church that was an expert at that, that bought equipment and put a real good uh, 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 media ministry together. And out of COVID and everything that COVID tried to do to the community and the church, it all worked together for our good. Many churches went under. Many churches went under financially. Many churches uh, uh, just shut down altogether. But you know, we just stayed with the word of God, teaching the word, telling people that Jesus can heal you and deliver you from COVID, uh, speaking against COVID, uh, go ahead and having the events that we plan to have. We didn't cancel any of our conferences. We, didn't get, we did special events such as our 20th anniversary. All the, we just kept moving forward because God works all things together for your good. Amen? Now, yesterday, we prayed and prayed in the Spirit a little bit. I think someone was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Or one of the young men was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And uh, a lot of times people, especially in your prayer life, you get frustrated praying in the Holy Ghost or praying in other tongues because your mind wanders so much. And so you, you think, well, I'm going to pray in other tongues and you've been baptized in the Spirit and you heard yourself speak in a language you did not know. So you take that language and you just begin to say it with the best of your ability. And then the Holy Ghost takes over and you begin to pray in the Spirit. But if you're not careful, because your mind, many times we allow our, our minds to get lazy, our mind begins to wonder. 
And, and we begin to daydream when we pray. We, our mind wanders into other things. Well, you can't do that and be successful praying in the Holy Ghost. What I've developed in my life is a continual flow of Scripture in my mind as I pray, pray in the Holy Ghost. I'll be praying in the spirit, but it, it, may be, it may be healing scriptures running through my mind. It may be prosperity scriptures. It may be redemptive scriptures. It may be scriptures about the word of God itself. It may just be scriptures that inspire me that I like. Uh, recently, every morning when I wake up, now it hasn't happened to me in Ireland. It's very weird. But, but, but there in the States for about the last three months, every morning I wake up, Psalms 23 would be going off in my head. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters, restores my soul, leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Uh, 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 thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> My cup runneth over, amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, you say, well, you must memorize life. No, meditation is stronger than memorization. Memorization is of the mind. Meditation is of the soul. Meditation is so easy. Everyone here is an expert at meditation. Did you know that? Everyone here is an expert of meditation or, or the other word we use, Worry. If you've ever worried, you'd meditated. So quit worrying and start meditating. You say, how do I do that? Take that bad thought out and put a scripture in there. Start turning it over and over and over. Y'all have got those big dryers in, in Ireland. Y'all use those dryers, go round and round and round. So I heard an illustration of meditation one time. It's like a tennis shoe. Y'all know what a tennis shoe is, right? It's like a tennis shoe in the dryer. Has anybody ever dried tennis shoes in the dryer? You know, they go, I go round and round and round until they get dry. So you put a tennis shoe, a wet tennis shoe in the dryer. It comes out a dry tennis shoe. So you ask that tennis shoe when it comes out of the dryer, where have you been in that dryer? And that tennis shoe will tell you, I have been everywhere there is to go in that dryer. So the word of God in your mind needs to do what? Same thing as that tennis shoe in the dryer. Needs to go around and around, over and over, kerthump, kerthump, over and over. So when you pull that scripture out and say, where have you been in my mind? He says to you, I've gone everywhere there is to go in your mind. Amen. Now, quickly, quickly, because we want to pray for just a few minutes this morning also. Turn, if you will, to the book of 1 Corinthians. Let me do it here in my King James. Sweetie, open one of those waters for me, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, just to clear up, I've, I've learned this over the years of ministry. I never take it for granted that everybody knows what I know. So you have to, you have to kind of bring some people along sometimes to help them, uh, you know, in teaching the word of God so people will understand some things. Now, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came upon the church or came to the church, uh, uh, the Bible says there appeared unto them cloven. Everybody say cloven. A cloven tongues is a fire sat on each of them. Now, you must understand that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, what we call the third person of the Godhead, there is a two-fold working of the Spirit of God that should be relative in the life of every believer. A two-fold working. Number one, the working of the Spirit when it comes to the subject of the new birth. 
You know, the spirit of God that moves into you and you become a new creature in Christ, it's called the new birth. Jesus said you must be born again. It's the same as natural birth. You've got to grow and develop out of it. You know, when you got born again, every spiritual problem you ever had disappeared. See, people have a hard time with that because they think they have spiritual problems. No, you don't have spiritual problems. You got problems with your flesh and your mind. I had somebody here in Ireland years ago. They came into a meeting. And then after the meeting, we were standing out somewhere. I think they were having tea and biscuits. And this person walked up to me and he says, you know, he said, your teaching confused me. I said, no, it didn't. He said, yeah, your teaching confused me. I said, no, you came in confused. I said, my teaching just turned the light on it. Amen. Amen. And many times people are confused, but many times you need the light to be turned on your confusion so you're not confused anymore. So this twofold working of the spirit is easy. It's the spirit that abides, which is the new birth, and the spirit that empowers, which is the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Twofold working of the spirit in your life. Amen. By the spirit on the inside, you should be growing in maturity and character. By the spirit on the outside, you should be growing in power. Amen? Now, with that in mind, a twofold working of the Spirit, there's also a twofold working of tongues. Everybody say tongues. The twofold working of tongues is this there's the initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Ghost, which is your ability to speak in a language which you have not intellectually learned. Now, let me say that again. The initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Ghost is your ability to speak in a language that you have not learned. That ability is given to you by the Holy Spirit. It's called an unction. That unction on the inside of you that rises up out of you, it's very slight. It's very, it's very uh, how can you say it? It's very light. You have, to, you have to be sensitive to it, but once it rises up and once you begin to discover it, that language that comes up out of you must be developed. You must speak it more and more. You must allow that language to, to, to uh, for lack of, a better, uh, lack of a better explanation, you must let it fulfill its purpose in speaking in your life. Amen? Everyone that gets baptized in the Holy Ghost gets that. That is the promise. Everybody say the promise. That is the promise that Jesus said that John truly baptized with you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Listen, Jesus died on the cross to get the Holy Ghost into you. His blood was shed to cleanse the temple of your life so there would be a holy place for the Spirit of God to abide and there is a holy place in you and it's not in your mind and it's not in your flesh. That holy place in you is your spirit because Jesus has cleansed it by his blood. Amen. Amen. Then there's the second fold working of tongues which is a spiritual gift. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it speaks of spiritual gifts, three different categories, nine different gifts. First category would be gifts that reveal something. Revelation gifts. The word of wisdom, everybody say wisdom. The word of knowledge, everybody say knowledge. And then there's this third revelation gift, which is the discerning of spirits, which is the ability to see into the spirit realm. It's not, it's not the gift of suspicion. 
It's actually seeing into the spirit realm, amen? It's a discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom is an impartation of the wisdom of God. God has all wisdom, amen? So he takes a little bit of his wisdom and he imparts it through a gift of the spirit. Sometimes it's spoken and sometimes it's carried by other gifts. It could be carried by tongues, interpretation of tongues or prophecy. You see, what do you mean carried? That's how it's ministered out. Amen. Then there's the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is a particular piece of God, God's knowledge. God has all knowledge, but he will release that knowledge in particular part or pieces in order to bring edification or to reveal something that he wants to do. Words of knowledge many times are right in the present. You know, like somebody here may have, a, have, a, have, a, have an earache and the Lord reveal it by the spirit and then heal it. Somebody may have a, have a, have a spirit of fear trying to torment their mind and the spirit of God would reveal, reveal that in the present. That's a word of knowledge. A word of wisdom many times people confuse with prophecy. They say, I got a prophecy. Somebody spoke something over me that has to do with my future. That's really not prophecy. That's a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom deals with your future and it is designed to remove all doubt, all intimidation and all fear once it is spoken out to you and God says, you know, somebody, thus saith the Lord, a credible word, somebody that you have confidence in, somebody that you know is speaking something that agrees with your spirit that has to do with your future. That word of wisdom is something that you kind of just stock away in your mind and heart and you pray about because what it does, it reveals the potential of God but it is not the promise of God. So any words you've ever gotten about your future, you have to pray that into existence or you're not going to get it. God's just showing you his potential. Amen. So those are revelation gifts. Discerning the spirits is very easy. You see into the spirit realm. You see, you see the demonic realm. You see the angelic realm. You see angels. You see Jesus. You just see into the spirit realm. You actually have insight into the spirit realm. Then there's power gifts. Everybody say power. Now these are the power, uh, these are the gifts of demonstration, uh, gifts of healings, plural, many types of gifts of healings that operate and work. Then there's working of miracles, alterations in the natural order of things. Then there's special faith, which is difference from faith that is developed. Special faith or the gift of faith is faith that is released from heaven that drops down into your heart that removes every bit of intimidation, every bit of fear and causes you to rise up and do Courageous and historic things. Amen. Then there's the vocal gifts. And this is what we're talking about. In the vocal gifts, there are three. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy are given for one reason. Not doom and gloom, not what's coming in the future. It's given for edification, exhortation, and comfort of the church. The tongue or the second tongue we're talking about that not everybody flows in is a gift and it is a supernatural utterance in the spirit in which there is an interpretation of most of the time. Other times it could be just a supernatural utterance in tongues or in a language that someone else may understand or know that speaks directly to their spirit or heart. My aunt and uncle were in ministry many years. They're in heaven now. They operated in the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. My aunt would give out a tongue. My uncle would interpret. Many times he would be in the pulpit teaching or preaching. She would have a, have a tongue. She would be recognized. He would recognize her. She would give it out. He would interpret. They were in a particular meeting in Phoenix, Arizona. This was probably back in the 60s. In Phoenix, Arizona, there was an air base there in which they were training pilots from the Middle East. 
A particular Saudi Arabian pilot had somehow ended up in the meeting sitting in the back. As my uncle got up to minister, my aunt raised her hand and gave a message in tongues. My uncle stood for a minute with his eyes closed, believing to receive an interpretation. It never came. So he looked around the congregation, the pastor that was there, they were visiting ministers. The pastor there said, do you have it? Anybody, anybody have the term? Nobody did. So well, we'll just go on with the meeting. So they went on with the meeting. After the meeting, a man got out and walked up to them. He said to my aunt, how did you know my name? She said, what do you mean? She said, you spoke in perfect Farsi. He said, you called me by name, and not only did you call me by name, you called me by the name that my mother called me, an enduring name. And you said to me that this is the day of salvation, that the light is shining for me brighter than it's ever shown before, and that I need to come up and make Jesus Lord and Savior. So I've come up here to make Jesus my Lord and Savior because she talked to me in my native language. Well, she didn't know that. But see, God used that supernatural gift of tongues to speak to that Saudi Arabian pilot and he came up and got born again. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that powerful? Isn't God good? Now, notice here in Romans, excuse me, 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 14. Now, notice there in verse, uh, look in verse two. Now, this is speaking of people that pray in the spirit or pray in other tongues, Amen. He says, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Amen. Uh, one translation says, things in the spirit realm not easy to understand. You say, well, why is that? Because these things you pray in other tongues, the enemy cannot access them. You say, well, doesn't he know all the language? Yeah, sure he does, but he cannot access conversations that you have with God in the spirit when you pray in other tongues. It's a mystery to him. Let me just help you with the devil a little bit, amen? We were teaching on the authority of the believer. We'd take a whole session and just go to the word of God and show you that he's defeated, he's empty, he's under our feet, he's no threat to you whatsoever. The only power the devil has over you is the power you give him. Let me say that again. The only power the devil has over you is the power you give him. That's why you don't need to listen to him. You don't need to fall for his traps. You don't need to, you, you, listen, you just, you, you, you literally just need to keep him under your feet at all time. That's where he belongs. I like what one preacher said years ago. He says, your foot fits perfectly on the neck of the devil. Amen? Well, in understanding that, understanding that praying in tongues, he has no access to that, then that's got to be a powerful weapon. When you're praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, you're praying the will of God, which means you're also praying the Word of God because the will of God and the Word of God are synonymous and praying in the Holy Ghost also helps you adapt to the will of God for your life. We saw that in Romans chapter eight. Amen? And I found this out also. Praying in the Spirit also prepares you for obedience because you're building yourself up on your most holy faith, according to Jude verse 20, you build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the spirit, so that God can speak to you and you have the courage to obey it. Most people that don't pray in the Holy Ghost very much, it's very hard for them to obey. But people that pray in the Holy Ghost, I mean, God says, jump, you say, how high? Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's why I really don't have any problem. Okay, Lord, we'll do that. 
The will of God is so easy. You begin with the generic will of God for us all. Most people struggle because they're finding, trying to uh, find the will of God outside of the generic will of God that is unique for all of us. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, if you really want the will of God for your life, then you have to go into the Bible and see what the will of God is for your life from the word of God. Then when you line up with the corporate will of God for your life, then God can begin to deal with you about, about a specific will for your life. You say, what do you mean? Number one, it is God's will that you be born again. Amen? God, it's not God's will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. So if you obey God in that area and you get born again, that's, well, you, you, that's the will of God. So now you're born again. But now once you got born again, you gotta realize you're not your own. You belong to him. You say, well, I don't really like that. Well, you don't belong to yourself now anyway. You belong to the devil. He's your father. But thank God when you get born again, God becomes your father. You get into a brand new family. It's not an Irish family. It's not an American family. It's not, a, it's not an African family. It's, it's a holy family. It's a righteous family. It's a heavenly family. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's the will of God after the new birth to do what? To get baptized in the Holy Ghost. To speak with other tongues. That's the will of God then it's the will of God for you to get water baptized, to do all three of the baptisms unique to our covenant, to obey the word of God in those baptisms, that's the will of God for your life. Then the fourth thing is to do what? To join or to become an active part of a local church. And in that local church, you lend yourself as a servant. You develop a servant's heart. You do anything that needs to be done, you must be willing to lend aid and assistance to anything that needs to be done. That is the will of God. Amen? So here you are, you're, 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 you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, you've been water baptized, uh, you come to Island Church Dundalk, uh, uh, you pray, you read your Bible, you come to services, you sing on the praise team, you work with the kids, you, you, you clean up the building, you're doing everything you know to do that the Bible says that is the will of God. You with me? And so you get out and you say, now Lord, what is your will for my life? You know what he's gonna do? He's gonna tell you. You know why? Because you're in a position to hear it. You're in a position to hear it. Amen? And when you get in that position to hear it and God says to you, well, you know, I want you to be a, a youth pastor. I want you to be a, a, a missionary to, uh, to New Zealand. I want, you to, I want you to write a book. I want you to uh, start a business. I want you to do that. Then all of a sudden, he begins to speak vision into your life. And as that vision begins to be spoken into your life, you're gonna need the power of the Holy Ghost to help you to walk step by step into that vision because what happens to many Christians is they follow that scenario I just said and then God speaks to them and gives them vision and then they set out trying to get to make it, get it to, uh, trying to get it to happen themselves instead of just walking that path of righteousness and letting God do it. Two things unique to the human species that must be brought into submission are ego and ambition. And sometimes people get very ambitious. They get a little inspiration. They, uh, uh, we had a friend, I guess I can talk about him. We had a friend years ago that, that wanted to learn how to surf, so we taught him how to surf. My brother and I did. And so uh, uh, he started surfing. And after about surfing about two years, uh, he became an expert. 
He was an expert, you know. And so as an expert, you know, uh, we'd be in Galveston. Where I live in Galveston, the waves aren't very big, so we'd just go out and have a good time and stuff. So he'd be trying to, you know, tell people what to do. I was like, well, you know, you ain't been surfing two years, man. I've been surfing 35 years. That was back then, you know. Well, he thought he knew everything. He thought he knew everything. So we ended up in a crusade in Hawaii. So we're in Hawaii doing this crusade. And man, we have a glorious time. People get saved and healed, touched by the power of God. So we ended on a Sunday morning, you know, the crusade we did. We did, I think we started on a Wednesday. We did Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Did a big outreach on Saturday. Gave away surfboards and groceries and bicycles and won people to the Lord in the parks. Big services in churches all over the island on Sunday morning. And then Sunday afternoon, we go to the beach to go surfing. And, you know, he goes with us. And so we paddle out in these waves in Hawaii. And they're like this big, you know. And he's like, oh, my God. Well, see, he only thought he was prepared for that, but he was not prepared for that. He sat out there all day, never caught a wave. We'd catch him one wave after another after next. You say, why? Well, because we had been doing it for so long. We had developed such skills in that particular genre or sport that it really wasn't a big deal to us. But see, he just thought he knew. And because he thought he knew, the, 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 the deception of the thought empowered him to go to a place he shouldn't, been in, he shouldn't have been in. The same thing is true of the spirit. You come to one conference, you sit in church for six months, and you think you know it all. You don't know it all. You need to be humble. You need to be meek. And all you really need to do is just serve in the body of Christ and just bide your time, and God will speak to you and put vision on the inside of you that will be specific to your life. Because you have to understand, there is a measure of grace for you in the will of God. Now, let me say that again. There is a measure of grace for you in the will of God. And when you step under that grace, what you begin to do is not natural, it's supernatural. You say, what do you mean by that? For 20 years, I had grace to travel. I mean, I, for, for the last 10 years of our field ministry, from about, from about uh, 1992 to about 2002, we did 300 meetings a year. Do you realize, uh, one brother back here, Trump, do you realize that, that's, that's, you can't do that naturally. You cannot do that naturally. I mean, I'd be in Ireland two and three times a year. I'd be down in Nicaragua. I'd be over in the Philippine Islands. I'd be in some other country. I'd, I'd be all over the United States. Then I'd be in my own home church teaching in Bible school 13 years, never missed a class and still did 300 meetings a year. Well, you can't do that naturally. But as God began to deal with us about starting Island Church in Galveston, next thing you know, I, I never was weary in a, in a hotel room or an airport. I started to get weary. I started to get tired. My body started to get physically tired when I used to never get tired. I thought there was something physically wrong with me. I actually went to a doctor, a doctor, uh, that Jewish doctor, had myself checked out. And, and, and there was nothing wrong with me. So I began to pray and the Lord began to speak to me and say, the grace to travel is lifting off of you. I could tell. So I started looking for the other, the other grace. Well, the other grace was, was, to, was to start Island Church, was to begin Island Church. Now, we've pastored Island Church for 20 years, and actually about a year ago, I began to feel a grace to begin to go out again, to begin to travel again, to begin to stir the people that I've, that I've, that I've traveled, places I've gone around over the years. I've got doors open all over the world. I could get on an airplane tomorrow and go all over the world and preach the gospel, but I'm not called to do that. I'm called to pastor Island Church and then go when God says I can go and help the people God calls me to. 
That's the will of God for my life. The house I live in is the will of God for my life. The woman I'm married to is the will of God for my life. The child we have is the will of God for my life. The car I drive is the will of God for my life. Everything I have, everything I do, everywhere I go, from the fillings in my teeth to the socks on my feet are the will of God for my life because I've prayed and believed God by faith for everything I have. For when Lee and I started out, we started with zero, with nothing. We've never asked anybody for money. We've never raised money. We've never, you know, uh, begged for donations. We, anytime, that, anytime that we've had opportunity to take offerings for people, we've just said, well, you know, it's up to you. It's between you and God. Giving is between you and God. And God has taken care of us and God has blessed us. We're financially healthy. We're physically healthy. We're mentally healthy. And, and here we are at the end of time, at the end of a dispensation, positioned and poised to be used by God in one of the greatest, greatest revivals the earth has ever seen. And the same thing is true of you. You're no different than us. You're no different than me. What you have to do, though, is find that will for your own life so that you can go down that path of righteousness. And one of the number one ways that I have found to find it is to pray in an unknown tongue. The will of God for this church. You have to pray in the Spirit. The will of God for Ireland. That's one of the first things we begin to do when we came in 1988. We begin to see masses of people filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because Ireland needs Irish people to pray in the Holy Ghost so the will of God can be done in Ireland. Thank God he sends missionaries from America wherever else they come from. That's all well and good. But there is still a responsibility for the Irish people to pray in the Holy Ghost and see the will of God, God done in Ireland. Yeah, God sends people from Africa, from America. What is he doing? He's sending you help from all over the world to help you pray, to help you intercede, and to get on fire with you so that God can move in this nation. Amen? That excites me. Now, let me say this, too. This may help you. It's, it's amazing how God does things. And, and Lee and I have been serving the Lord now for over three decades. And when we look back and we see how God has done things in our life, it's almost embarrassing that we ever worried, fretted, had any kind of fear or anxiety at all because he does things so well and he does things so right so whatever you may be going through today you think well pastor you don't know my life well you didn't know my life and you may think that it is a total impossibility for you to come out of some situation or circumstance that you live in right now but it is not at all all you have to do is have the want to and one thing about praying in the Holy Ghost see there's a want to and a can't do in everybody and a lot of people's problem is, is they feed that can't do. They feed that can't do. They feed that can't do. And then when God says do something, all you got's a can't do in you. Amen? But if you feed that want to, you say, how do you do that? By the word of God, by praying in the Holy Ghost. You feed that desire. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires, the desires, the desires, the desires of your heart. Well, once that desire comes, what you gonna do about it? Oh, well. <laughs> You may not can relate to this, but I can. I always wanted to kill a great big deer with great big horns. In Texas, we have what's called a white-tailed deer. It's a game animal. Uh, people hunt them. It's a big industry. People pay lots of money, to, especially the big trophy ones. And, and down in South Texas, there's men that has gone down there, most of them in the oil industry, 
uh, that, have, that have found oil on the ranches. And they develop their ranches into cattle and hunting ranches. And so they sell hunts for these, these big, beautiful white-tailed deer. They're smart. They're hard to hunt. And they're just, uh, if you ever kill one, they're a real trophy. So I always wanted to kill a, a, a trophy, trophy white-tail. And, and all of a sudden, I begin to have a, a, a more than just a normal desire. And you say, well, what, what difference does that make? What, what difference does that make? Well, listen, listen. I begin to have more than a normal desire. I begin to think, well, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if there's a way I can go, go shoot one. So I begin to ask. I begin to inquire. I knew some people. And sure enough, over a period of about three or four years, a door opened for me to go to a ranch in South Texas and to go, to go hunt and kill a big trophy white-tailed deer. I just had the desire to do it. I mean, it was strong. Little did I know, I walked onto this ranch and, and you go in, you have to fill out a little paperwork, some legal work in order to uh, legally hunt. They have to see your hunting license, things like that. And then you saw, sign a liability waiver, you know, in case something happens, you don't sue the ranch. So there were some other hunters that were there. We'd all done our paperwork and they, 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 were, they were sending us to our particular rooms and cabanas and then we were going to come back and have lunch. So in that, in that lodge, in that, in that kitchen area, were, was the ranch manager and his wife who were the cook. He managed the ranch. She cooked all the food. Now, most of the people had cleared out and I looked over at them and there were, there were tears running down their face. And I thought, that's strange. And I thought, well, you know, I, I was a preacher so I thought something made that, you know, they might have... Their dog might have gotten ran over or, the, you know, had a sick child at home. I didn't know. I was just going to step over and see if I could help. And I said, are you okay? And they, they looked at me and they said, are you really a preacher? I said, yes, I am. And they just cried even more. And they said, for 20 years, we've been praying that a preacher would come to this ranch. I said, really? Why? And they said, because these people need Jesus. So I began to minister to those people. Just as the door would open, they knew I was a preacher. Next thing you know, the head guy, I led him to the Lord. He'd been an alcoholic for years. God delivered him from alcoholism, saved him right then and there. The man who owned the ranch was an older man, very wealthy, very successful, one of the most incredible American success, success stories you'd ever hear. Came out of abject poverty, uh, uh, went, was in the Marine Corps, was in the Korean War, came out, started a small business in Houston. It exploded. He began to buy ranches. On his ranches, he began to discover oil. The rest is history. Self-made man. After about the second or third year I hunted on that ranch, he was diagnosed with cancer. God opened the door. I was able to lead him to the Lord. And for three years, I stuck with him as he fought that fight. Eventually, he ended up going to heaven, and I was able to do his funeral in front of hundreds, even thousands of people at a large Methodist church in Houston. I was able to tell the story of how I led Bill Carter to the Lord. It so moved some of the people that at the reception, we had two different couples come up to us with just tears rolling down their face saying, we've been praying for that man for 20 years. And I got the big old honking deer on my wall. <laughs> and I got to lead Mr. Carter to the Lord and preach his funeral. You say, how'd that happen? Praying in the Holy Ghost. God gives you the desires of your heart. 
See, many times we think they're just, they're just, you don't have to do with ministry. And no, it's your life. Every, every aspect of your life. I could tell you story after story after story after story. Ministry story. You know, we were raised on Galveston Island. We surfed in that little surfing slop around there. And then, you know, every once in a while we'd get a, get a trip to California or to Mexico. But then when I got saved, I always had the desire to go to Hawaii. I wanted to preach there. In Ireland one time. I was in Ireland. I was in a bed and breakfast. I'd been preaching for several days. I was in this bed and breakfast. And back then we always wore suits and ties. And I was in a suit and a tie. My tie was still tied. I hadn't loosened it. I had on an overcoat. I had a scarf around my neck. And I'm laying in this bed in the bed and breakfast shivering with this big old coat. Still, I didn't even take my shoes off. That's how cold it was. And I'm praying. And the Lord said, where do you want to go preach? I said, I want to go to Hawaii. So there's an evangelist in the United States that preaches in Hawaii a lot. His name is uh, Jesse Duplantis. Anybody ever heard of Jesse? Well, Jesse and I are friends, and so Jesse preached a lot in, in, in Hawaii. So I said, I said, uh, Jesse, you, you preach in these churches in Hawaii. I want to go to Hawaii. He, oh, Brother Rusty, I tell you, just go call my office. Just go call my office. They'll line you up at itinerary. You know, he's all fired up all the time. And I picked up the phone three times to call his office. Three times I picked it up, put it down. Picked it up, put it down. Picked it up, put it down. I had in my pocket a little card and you could tell that they had taken blank cards and just used a stamp and on that stamp it said Christ for the Pacific and there was a phone number. I have no idea how I got that card. I have no idea where it came from. But on a trip home from the Philippine Islands, a conference I was preaching in there, I stopped in, in Waikiki in Honolulu to surf for three or four days and to make that phone call to see what that card was all about. And a couple came. I called them up. They answered the phone. And I told them who I was. I, I, I guarantee you, that's strange. Just a phone call from a stranger saying, would you come go to me with to dinner with me in Waikiki. And they said, yes, they came. And we sat at a table. We talked about ministry. They told me they had a little Bible school with five students in an area of Hawaii called Waianae. Everybody say Waianae. And then as we kind of ended the evening and ended the, ended the dinner, I said to them, what about coming to Waianae to preach the gospel? And they looked at me and said, you'll never come to Waianae the people there will not have you. You're white-skinned, you're highly, you're white-eyed. These are all the Hawaiian people. They've been pushed out of Waikiki. They've been pushed out of Honolulu. Their, their land has been taken, and they're pretty angry, and they'll have nothing to do with white people. I said, well, what if I came and I paid for it? And they said, well, they were so negative. I'll never get how negative they were. They said, well, you know, you can come, but nobody will come to your meeting." I said, well, look, I'm going to go home and pray. And they had a little praise team. They had a three-person praise team, a man that we made la named later, Barbon, forget his last name. He was Filipino, really sweet guy, played the piano. Two people sang. I said, we could use your praise team. I'll send you some money, make up some flyers, put them out. Let's see what will happen. They're like, nobody will come, nobody will come. So four or five months later, I sent them money. I said, and the whole time, nobody will come, nobody will come. They leased a, a, a Lutheran church right on the beach. They're in Waianae. I drove in. I flew, I flew in on a, on, a, on a Wednesday and then I drove out there, got in the hotel and then drove in to, to, the, to the Lutheran church on the night I was scheduled to preach. We had it for two nights, Thursday night and Friday night and you could not park another car in the parking lot. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody knew me from anybody. 
And we walked in there and the glory of God fell for two nights. And all those Hawaiian people were touched by God. I'm telling you, it was so powerful. And that started a revival that ran almost 12 years. Just by praying on the Holy Ghost. Desire of your heart. And then once the desire comes, what are you going to do now? I, I desire a pastor. I, de, I, I, desire, I, I desire a breakthrough in my business. I desire a better job. I desire a healing in my marriage. I de, sure, we have all these natural desires and God has already supplied those needs. But you're unique. You're special. You're an individual. You're a child of God and God has a very specific will for your life. I don't care if you're in your 80s. There is still a plan that God has for you. And it's never too late to start. And it begins by you doing what? Very simply, get saved. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Find a good local church that teaches faith and loves the Lord. Be loyal to your pastors. Be loyal to your other brothers and sisters that are in that church. Fight offense. The number one thing that messes churches up all over the world is offense. Fight offense. Don't get offended. If you are offended, get healed and get over it. Make a decision. Because listen, if you can be offended, the devil will figure out what will offend you. We have evidence of that by all of the years that we've come and all of the thousands we've preached to in Ireland that we never see anymore because of offense. That's crazy. It's a plot of the devil, plan of the devil. But if you'll just obey the generic word of God and then pray in the Holy Ghost, everybody say the Holy Ghost, then God will give you a desire, then he'll give you a plan and out of that desire and out of that plan will come the will of God for your life and a great adventure. <laughs> I'm telling you a great adventure. One more scripture and we'll close. Hallelujah, how's my time? Oh my goodness. I don't know how that happens. Anyway, where am I at here? Uh, verse 14 1 Corinthians 14, 14, easy to, easy to remember. It says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Let me read that in the Amplified. It says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. You say, well, it says it doesn't help anybody. Talking about your mind. It's not bearing fruit in your mind. It's to, bear, it's to bear spiritual fruit. But now notice what it says. It says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, notice, my spirit prayeth. Now, a better translation is this. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit prayeth. Amen. My spirit by the Holy Spirit. Now notice, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit. Notice spirit is a small s, small capital. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about your spirit praying. Your spirit prays when you pray in other tongues by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you the utterance, but it's your spirit that prays. Now here's what I've learned. If you pray in the spirit, you get to know yourself spiritually. If you get to know yourself spiritually, you get to know God. You want to hear the voice of God? Pray in the Holy Ghost and get familiar with the voice on the inside of you. 
One translation of another scripture that relates to this says, it is the spirit that takes hold together with your spirit against that which would try to withhold the things of God. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. It is your spirit that prays by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit takes hold together with your spirit against that which would withhold the blessings of God. Think about what, God's not withholding nothing, church. There's no healing. You think, well, I've been waiting to be healed for 15 years. Well, you, you're, you're the one waiting, God's not. God's not waiting to heal you. God's not waiting to prosper you. God's not waiting to deliver you. He's already done it in Christ. The problem is not in the sending. The problem's in the reception. I mean, if your television, it's, uh, you know, all of a sudden it, it goes out because it's 100 years old. And all you think is, well, it's not my TV. It's not my TV. It's that stinking satellite company. It's that stinking cable company. It's their problem. It's their problem. It's not my TV that's 100 years old. No, it's your TV. There's a problem with the reception. There's no problem with the sending. So the problem is the reception. So we need to be receptive. Many things block the blessings of God. Mindsets, offenses, sin, all kinds of things. And the Holy Ghost is your helper to remove everything that blocks or hinders you receiving. I, I, I know people, I see their, I see your faces when I say things like, you know, I resisted COVID, you know, three times. and The first time it took a couple of days, second time's just a few hours. People look at you like you're crazy, but you're not crazy. Listen, if you live under an open heaven and you're living right, there's no, no reason you should not immediately receive healing when you need it or financial breakthroughs when you need it. My, my dad was, a, was, a, was a, a lawyer or an attorney and he, he used to tell a story about a, about a, about a black preacher, an African-American preacher in, in the States that would drive back and forth from the Houston area to the San Antonio area because he had a church in each city. Church in Houston, church in San Antonio. Now, as he got older, his daughter would drive him. He, had, he didn't want to drive at night and stuff, so he got you know, up into his 70s, his daughter would drive him. And he was a man of God, a Holy Ghost man. And there was a, a, a white pastor about halfway in between Houston and San Antonio that had gotten sick, very sick with a, with a certain disease. So this, this, this black pastor had heard of that. And so on one of his trips, he had his daughter uh, uh, pull over to the parsonage of where this pastor lives, and they went and knocked on the door. They knocked on the door. The wife answered the door. Uh, several of the ladies of the church were there assisting the wife in taking care of her husband who was the pastor of the church. So this black gentleman, this pastor, he walks in and he says, uh, can I ask all of y'all to do me a favor? And they were like, yeah. He says, I'm gonna ask all the ladies and everyone to just clear the room and just leave me and the pastor here. And so they all left. So this, 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 this black gentleman pulls up a chair next to this white pastor's bed and looks at him and says, now, tell me the truth. He said, you've been dipping into the money? He goes, no. No, I've not been dipping into the money. He looks at him a little stronger and says, you've been messing with the sisters? He said, no, I haven't been messing with the sisters. He said, then what are you doing laying in this bed? Get up out of that bed. You're healed in Jesus' name. God just popped up out of bed. He'd been sick for months. 
but he just didn't realize he had been already healed by God 2,000 years ago. He wasn't living in sin. He wasn't stealing the money. He wasn't chasing the girls of the church. He was living holy and righteous. He, didn't, he just didn't know. It was his right to just get up out of that bed healed. Thank God for that black pastor that drove through there and reminded him he was healed. He didn't heal him. He didn't minister healing to him. He just reminded him there's nothing wrong with you. You're not living in sin. Get up out of that bed. You're healed. When you pray in an unknown tongue, it's your spirit by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit taking hold together with your spirit against that, which is withholding. So God may start working in your character. He may start working on your habits. He may start working on your diet. He may start working on your mindset. He might edit your entertainment. There's all kinds of things God can do when you give him permission. And praying in the spirit gives him permission to begin to work and to move in your life. And as you do that, I guarantee you, you're gonna begin to find the will of God, step after, and listen, let me, let me help you. You'll have many opportunities to fail. But when you, but when you, not if you fail, when you fail, what's gonna determine your future success is what you do after you fail. I've failed a thousand times, but I've never let my failures keep me from moving into for forward momentum. I get up. I dust myself off. I repent to my God, and if there's people I need to repent to, I ask forgiveness from them. I keep myself cleansed on a daily basis by just declaring it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from all sin and unrighteousness. And then I do everything I can do to live righteous and holy. I don't read pornography magazines. I don't drink, smoke dope, do all that. Kind. I don't do none of that. You'd be surprised how many preachers and Christians do thinking they can get away with an illicit lifestyle of sin and destruction thinking somehow, someway God's gonna bless them. It's not gonna happen. You're called to live in holiness and righteousness and all the appetites of the flesh and mind that you think you have to supply satisfaction yourself, God can satisfy you more than you ever can satisfy yourself. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand. You know, I tell you, yesterday afternoon, I'm laying in the bed at the hotel room. Uh, they were out getting soft serve ice cream. I still have not gotten my soft serve ice cream. I don't know what's up with that. But I was just innocently, I, I didn't nap in a little bit. I woke up, I was kind of mumbling some scripture in a confession, and I was praying in the spirit but I wasn't giving it much volume. I was just kind of whispering. Then all of a sudden, something just swept over me and swept off of me. And when it did, I thought, man. And I got out of bed and I was kind of, man. And so I thought, well, that'll, you know that. And so I took a shower and I shaved. I got ready and they came. And then pastor came. And the whole time I'm thinking, man, you know, what is this? And all night long last night, the spirit of God was just so strong on me, just almost intoxicating. I was like, man, what is that? Well, what it was, it was the spirit of God bringing the supply of what we needed into the meeting last night. And he just started dumping it on me in the afternoon yesterday when I was praying. And it was amazing. It seemed like the further we went, the stronger it got, the stronger it got, till it was almost like I was standing outside of my body. I'm thinking, what? 
in the world? Well, it's the Spirit of God wanting to bring refreshing, wanting to bring blessing. And many times he has to find a conduit or a minister which it'll come through. But your ability to receive it is based on your willingness to yield. Some people sit and spectate. Other people, you know, one of the best that I get in meetings like that where somebody else is ministering, man, I just lift my hands and say, here I am, Lord. If anybody gonna get anything in this place tonight, it's gonna be me. I'm gonna get something in this place tonight. You can get something if you'll determine to get something. If anybody gonna get anything, I remember one time I, and a lot of it happened to me in Ireland. I'd, I'd come over here and I'd, I'd hit the ground and I'd do, I don't know, three or four meetings. I remember one time I landed in, at Shannon over in Limerick and by the time I laid my head on the bed that day, I'd preach four times. So I'd hit here and some days I'd do two, three meetings a day, day after day after day in this Irish weather and I'd begin to suffer in my throat. I used to get, my throat would get scratchy and all this. Well, I, I just kept serving God, standing for healing, believing God. Well, I was in a, we were in a, a meeting down in Darrow, Louisiana, my brother Kenneth, Kenneth e. Hagan, Holy Ghost meeting and brother Hagan calls that out. I go up there. He looks at me and says, Doc, he calls everybody Doc. Says, Doc, is that you? I said, yes, sir. He grabbed my throat like this. The power of God hit me. I hit the floor. I got up, never had a problem with my throat since. See, I was able to get it from a ministry gift then. You say, why? Because I knew I needed it. I'd been standing in faith for several months and there was that gift ministering that night. I just drew on that gift, drew on that gift, drew on that gift. Sure enough, he called that thing out. Amen? You say, why? You pray in the Holy Ghost, you get sensitive to the Spirit. Doesn't matter if you're ministering or not, you're able to tap in to the spirit of God that's moving in a, in, a, in a meeting and you can get blessed. Hallelujah, lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. Father, right now, stir in every spirit, in every heart, Holy Spirit of God. Now everyone in here, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, just take a moment now and begin to pray in the spirit. Just yield yourself to the Holy Ghost. Let that utterance come up out of you. Just kind of close your eyes. Just kind of become an individual there. Uh, just, to, just by yourself. Close your eyes and let that, let, that, let that spirit rise up out of you. Pray in other tongues. Now just ask him, ask him to fill you. Ask him to fill you. Ask him to fill you, fill you to the top. Paul Keresika, 
Paul Keresika, Paul Keresita la Mandahasa, Paul Nanda la Manasa, Paul Naranasi Kerebada, Pandare Marti, Andara Bacas, Erebedes, Bekira Badanda la Manasuru, Rurikira Monono, Urebiki Terebodosoria Bababanda, Noramana Ki Terebodosoriate, Eramacasu Terebadaya, Pakira, Paranananamata, Haradala Batsi Kerebodada, Oramato Sebre. Ebre bebekite de bodo soria bra borama kokokore bede sobratia brbogo deremende erbe debe debe deketete tende lemenena ende nama kakari abada sute ongenini andala monokore dia ebere de suti rigigi ibedi demande koro nensongo nensongo nengiga nandama ebere tekira dadana lamana kira bado sutere mona egere manana maner sutere bodo ora manana maketere mona kiri ande ebre bebekite de bodo sopo bonge bapa bola betikiri aborasi Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Now listen to this prophecy. Now walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Communicate in the Spirit. For it is by the Spirit that I will be able to protect you. By the Spirit, I will be able to cocoon you, keep you healed, prosperous, and blessed. As that which comes upon the earth rises to levels beyond even your imagination now, I will cause the light and life of my spirit to be resident in you in such a way and in such a manner in that there will be a difference even when you walk the streets, go to the schools, businesses, and establishments of the nation and area People will notice the difference in you, in your countenance, in your step, in the way you conduct yourself, for you will be energized by the light and life of God. So hold not back that which you know is right and good. When the door opens, proclaim the goodness of your God and his desire to bring all to the place of repentance and salvation and you shall see a harvest begin. Oh yes, slowly at first, but it shall increase and cause that which I desire even for this nation to come into my storehouse so that I might cause the blessing to come to this nation in the last of the last days. So rejoice and be glad and count it a blessing that you were counted faithful to be a part of it at the beginning in the place in which I started to stir and do these things. Therefore rejoice and be glad that you've been given a very valuable gift and asset in your spirit to survive these days, thrive in the midst, to have increase in the midst of decrease and to walk forward when the whole world is walking backwards. Receive it by faith. Walk in it by the spirit and you shall have joy, joy that will strengthen you through anything this world offers. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I think we ought to walk in the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, we good? Y'all ready to come back tonight? 
going to have a great time. Pastor Ryan, you want to dismiss? You want me to? What's that? Oh, all right, so far, huh? Stand on your feet if you will, amen. Hallelujah. Anybody here this morning, you need to be healed in your body? Are you, do you have pain? Do you have symptoms? You know, anything like that? If you do, raise your hand up. If you need healing in your body, raise your hand up. Praise God. Now, place your hand on yourself. You're a believer, aren't you? Bible says believers will lay hands on the sick. So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna pray in agreement with you and believe you receive that healing power resident in your body that it'll activate. Drive sickness and disease out of your body and affect a cure and a healing, amen? Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we don't approach the throne of grace to ask for healing. We know better than that. No, you've already given us healing in the redemptive package. Therefore, today, we appropriate that healing power by thanking you that you've delivered us from the power of darkness. You've translated us into the kingdom of your dear son. That Jesus, you were wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you and by your stripes, we are the healed of God. So sickness, disease, pain, infirmity, whatever it may be, trying to invade and trespass in the bodies of God's people, we say go, leave in Jesus' name. You have no place, your purpose is canceled, your assignment is canceled, and you must leave in Jesus' name. Now, fathers, we lift our hands to heaven. Thank you that your healing power, Lord's activated in our body and comes down upon us through the power of your spirit, and we are healed from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet. In Jesus' name. Fathers, we leave this morning. We thank you that you go with us. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. You'd be with us always, even until the end of the age. Thank you, Father, for sweet fellowship one with another. Thank you, Father, as we, as we rest and ready ourselves for this afternoon. Father, that we return with expectancy in our heart. Thank you, Father, for our protection and safety. Bless every person as they drive and move around the city and the nation. And thank you, Father, each and every one of us, Lord, are walking closer to you than we ever have. Because, Lord, we know the day demands it and that you are drawing our hearts to you. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. God bless you. Be safe, and we'll see you soon. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.